to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. got a simple word for us this morning is going to be short and at the end we are going to appoint the leaders or we're going to pray for the, the different teams of people that are serving the church amen so let's open our bibles if you uh, can to the book of exodus chapter 18 the book of exodus chapter 18 now this is in the old testament but i believe that there are a lot of uh, principles we can learn from this passage and I'll make a few disclaimers you know, as we go along in this message because I believe that there is no longer a need for us to have a mediator between man and God. There was a need for Moses because the people in the days of Israel chose not to draw near. If you remember in the Bible, especially when God was bringing Israel out from the wilderness, God's heart for His people is that there will be a kingdom of priests, which means that the people of God are supposed to have a face-to-face relationship with God. But because they chose to withdraw themselves, that's why there's a need to have a mediator. And they said, Moses, you hear God for yourself and you come and tell us what God is saying. And so because of uh, that, there is now this divide between God and man. But I believe Jesus breached that gap. Come on. And that there is no grandchildren. God has got no grandchildren. Hallelujah. Amen. That we're all, we, we, we all have our functions, we all have our roles, we have our giftings, but all of us are children of God. Amen. And that we can have a face-to-face walk with the Lord. But I want to just look at some leadership principles uh, for this church. And again, I started the series of Joshua months ago. I took a, I took a few months break because I've been waiting for this Sunday. I believe God wants to appoint leaders. I believe God wants to create amongst us a culture for leadership. And so we'll look at that, all right, uh, from this passage. So let's uh, start reading from chapter uh, Exodus chapter number 18, verses 17 to 23. And let's read uh, on, in your Bible, and I'll break it up, and I'll unpack this for us as we go along. But in verse 17, the Bible says, Moses father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves. They will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and, uh, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. And all these people will go home satisfied. I believe that's God's heart for every church or for every company. 
and for every household, that the hearts of the people are satisfied. There will always be complaints, there will always be feedback, but I want to talk to you this morning on Jethro's wisdom, the power of delegation, the power of empowering people uh, to stand in the role of leadership. Just a, a, a few quick backgrounds. Moses had just led the Israelites out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery. In the midst of the Sinai Desert, Moses found himself laboring from early morning till late at night, attempting to resolve a myriad of conflicts, making decisions, providing food, complaints. So he was a one-man government. That was Moses. And he was hated for trouble because that's unsustainable. He unintentionally becomes a workaholic, like a few of us were trying to save the world, and he became a workaholic. And so his father-in-law Jethro was a priest in Midian. He saw Moses' workload that was not sustainable. So he came to Moses and he said, Moses, you are hated for trouble. And I'll give you a few advice that I believe would be of great help. So he wisely pulled Moses aside celebrated what God had done in Moses' life, through Moses' life, but he gave him some invaluable advice regarding the concept of delegation, which I believe will also be applicable and relevant for our church. Now, we are a growing church. We've gone through a season of, uh, of growing pains, I must say. Oftentimes, I see the church like a child. And the slowest part of the child's development really is, would be the muscles and, you know, because it takes a child years to learn how to walk. You know? And so we're like a little child that is growing up. I believe, as I said in our previous AGM, we've got a great heart. I believe God has given this church a wonderful heart. It's a heart of love, a heart of worship, a heart that wants to do pleasing things to to the Lord. But cognitively, we're a little bit slower. We're trying to learn how to manage. We're trying to learn how to uh, run the church. And of course, muscles, while we're developing, we're trying to walk. Sometimes we try to run, but we run ahead of ourselves and we stumble and fall. And so the church is a little bit like a little child. You realize that, parents? Maybe, right? you look at, you, you, you assume that we know it better, but we don't. But I believe we are growing up and that it's time for us to understand some of these principles and to apply them to our church lives. So in this passage, Moses, uh, Jethro actually articulated five simple principles that are relevant for us uh, today. Principle number one. We've got to admit that working non-stop is unsustainable. Come on. Working non-stop is unsustainable. That's what he said in verses 17 and 18. He said to Moses, the thing that you are doing right now is not good. It's not good. The church started uh, with a few of us trying to do a lot, a lot of things, but we realized that it's unsustainable. I still remember, and some of you would remember this, and you liked it, but it, it's in, but, but it cannot last. Uh, in time past, I'll be looking around on Sunday, and I'll be making mental notes of our precious people who are not around. And it's not just taking attendance, but my heart goes out to families who might be struggling or things that, that they might be facing on a weekend. And so on the way home, joy would drive. And I'll be on the phone 
the whole way home from 50 McPherson, I'll be texting people who weren't in church. I said, guys, how are you? I'm praying for you. I miss you on Sunday. And some of you received that. And every Wednesday, I'll take out the phone and I'll pray to the Lord, give me a word in season, and I'll send out midweek text messages. And I find myself just doing this, and if you don't know, for three years. Pretty amazing. For three years, I was texting people. I was saying, guys, I'll be rallying people. And I realized that, that unconsciously, I became the, bol- the bottleneck. Everyone feels like they know pastor, but they don't know people. Because I was reaching out to different people and I realized it's unsustainable. And every night we'll be trying to meet different people, newcomers, aspiring leaders, young adults, counseling, and we're doing different things. And you realize that you know, much work doesn't mean that you'll be fruitful. It's just doing a lot, a lot of work. Yes? So something would eventually break down. And we can't work 12 hours a day, 6 days, 7 days every week and survive. Something would, would, would actually give way. Sometimes our health, our legacy, our sanity, our family. And it, it doesn't help when our family is growing up fast and growing bigger. And I, and I love the fact that we've got a lot of people in the household, but everyone demands some of your time. Yes, pa- parents? And, you know, and so I said to Joy one day, and I said, we cannot run the church at the expense you know, of our kids. And most of us can only meet at night. And so you know, I had to press a hard reset, and I said to myself, okay, I'll stop drawing people to myself. Let's see what happens. Is there a culture of care? Is there a culture of reaching out? Do people actually love one another? And of, of course, true enough, people are starting to say, oh, it's different from the past. Daniel doesn't reach out now. And well, it's, it's all intentional. And the reason is I can't keep doing this without the model breaking apart. Something will break. And we need to admit this. Much work doesn't produce more fruit. Amen? Working non-stop is unsustainable. The second principle from this passage, we have to understand our unique calling. Jethro saw something very important. While Moses could perhaps do many things well, he had a unique calling where he alone could add value to the entire nation. And so Jethro exalted Moses and he says in these words, the verse before that, please. And he says to Moses, listen now to my advice. And I'll give you some advice. May God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees his, and His instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. That's Moses' job. As I said in my introduction, we no longer need a mediator. So this is no excuse for us to say, oh, Pastor, you, you're just going to seek God for yourself. Come and tell us what is the Lord saying. No, we all need to hear God for ourselves, bring our disputes before God ourselves. Amen. But the point I'm trying to make from this principle is all of us are gifted and graced differently. We are all called to different things. And Moses could probably do everything. I still remember the church when, when we were younger, I was doing the data entry. I was uh, doing the accounts, the in, the out, the cash book. Uh, I was writing checks 
I was signing check, not good, but I was writing. It was early days, right? There was no board. I was writing check. I have to bring the check down to Cornerstone, approve it, pass the young sign. It was under the covering of Cornerstone in those days. Then I'll be entering in. And, and, and you know, I need to write checks in a certain way. I, 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 and the number must be right, the, the, the check vouchers. And so I was doing all that. I was updating the website. The first website was designed by Daniel Chua, not perfect, you know, but I, I was like taking a photos, copy and paste using a template. Uh, I, I was maintaining social media in those days. I was trying to take photos, upload it, say something, you know, exciting. I was texting people. I was, I was choosing songs in those days for Sunday. I'll sit down with all the worship team and, uh, and we'll try to make the songs as complimentary as possible. You know, I'll be looking at the song sheet and say, okay, we'll teach a new song, but we have to repeat them. We're trying to come up with a formula. And every day, we were just trying to create a worship experience that is meaningful for the church. But, you know, I could do a few of these things. I, I, I just can't sing. Otherwise, you'll see me leading worship. You'll see me playing the guitar. I step up in the small group that, I was, that I'm leading and because there's no worship leader, so I reluctantly picked up the guitar to the horror of my life group members. I know they, have to, they have to endure my playing and my singing because there was no one else. So I'll step into the role. I could play, but not at this, at this level. So, but the point I'm trying to make is I could do a few things, but there are only a f- God has called me to do a few u- unique things that, 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 that only I can do. God has graced me for some, with some very unusual giftings. And so we have to understand our unique calling. Amen? Come on. Yes. And the third thing in this passage, the third principle from Jethro is that Moses had to select qualified leaders to assist him in serving the people. And this is where Jethro gets really practical. He gently rebuked Moses and he says, you're not the only one who can do this job. You, you need to find people and you need to appoint them so that they can help share the load. There's no reason that you bear the burdens alone. And the focus, if you read this passage, if you go back to the verses, is on character. Select capable men, yes, but men who fear God, men who's trustworthy, Men who hate dishonest gain. And so the focus was on character. Someone say amen. The character of the people must be above board. They can't just be yes men and say whatever that the pastor says. You know, they have to have a view. But they must be men of character. They, you know, you can't be politicking. Come on. We have a board, but the board can't be political. The board can't challenge, you know, the pastoral team and, you know, trying to bring... This is not the heart of God. We have to all work together, seek the mind of Christ for the common good of the people. Amen? But the character of the leaders that we appoint must be one who's trustworthy, but most of all, who fear the Lord. Amen? which means that they have a reverential, worshipping relationship with the Lord. Not just smart people, not just gifted people, but spiritual people. Amen. Spiritual people. I said to my wife, I said to the team, I said, at the end of the day, you, you might be a gifted lawyer, you might be a great accountant, but if you've got no heart for God, you can't serve the church. You're just using your own giftings. We need to have the heart of God. Amen. For his church, for his bride. Amen. And you use your gifts to serve him. So select qualified leaders to assist. And people can gain knowledge and experience. They can learn skills. They can develop their gifts. But we must start with the foundation of godly characters. And we have this you know, in Acts chapter 7. 
If if you think it's just an Old Testament problem, can I suggest to you that this is actually a global challenge, and this is all this is also a historical challenge for the body of Christ. That, that there's a lack of leadership. That there's the harvest is always plentiful, the workers are always few. Amen. So in the days of Acts, the numbers of disciples was increasing, and the Hellenistic Jews among them complained. If you think complaints, it's uh, a 21st century problem. It's not. In the days of the apostles, the Christians were already complaining. We should not be complaining, but it's an H.O. problem. They're complaining against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. How, what, what does it look like in our context? Someone coming to me and say, Daniel... We're only fo- fo- focusing on, on the adults, for example. You are, you, are, you are neglecting the children. The children need care. They need spiritual food. We've got no one to feed them. And then the kids ministry, and, and then the youth ministry comes to me and says, all oh, the budget is only given to young adults. Yeah, I know they are growing very fast, but we also need money. Am I making sense? The young adults come and say, yeah, I know we are just early career people. We can't tithe as much. But pastor, we need your time. Yeah, we can't give as much money. And it seems to us that you're always spending time with Joshua, with Kirk. Yeah, they are tithing more, but we need you. It's all, it's all perception. Are you with me? It's totally perception. All the complaints that you have, some of them are practical needs, but a lot of times all perception. It's all perception. It's true that we're limited. These guys are limited by the structure. They're limited by the resource. They're limited you know, by the number of people who are serving. And so the 12 apostles, maybe 120, but by that time, there were at least um, 10, 50,000 disciples. They were multiplying. So there was a need. And so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and they said, it will not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to, to wait on table. So that's what the leaders were doing. They were the apostles. They were supposed to teach. They were supposed to hear God. They were supposed to basically govern, to have a structure. But they find themselves serving tables, attending to every need, every counseling case, every complaint, every... Um, Budget that they've got to approve, all right? Can you give like just five grain of uh, five ounces of food to this person? And they were doing all that. Next verse, please. So they said, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. We'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Again, look at the qualifications. For leadership, seven men from among you, not the smartest accountant. You would, you would have thought that they would look for people who can actually count better, right? Because they have to distribute food or people with organizational abilities. People who can structure well. Now, we need this practical skill. So I'm not saying that, that it's not important, but look at what the apostles were saying. These men must, must be people full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Not human wisdom, but godly wisdom. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if we can say of our board members that Joshua is an amazing investor who is full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom? 
Kirk is a great lawyer, but he's full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Not just as a great lawyer, full stop, you know. We need people with character who are anointed of the Spirit. To do what? Men like that will probably be leading churches uh, today, right? Two seven men, full, you know, not just partially filled, not just, you know, uh, sprinkling with a uh, sprinkle with the Holy Spirit. These are men overflowing with the Holy Spirit, overflowing with wisdom, and will turn the responsibility of serving tables to these men. Wow. Are you with me? That means that our chief usher, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. Our sound crew at the back, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. Amen? Our kids' church, teachers, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. It seems like this is the qualification of leadership. First the, quali- first the character, first people who are hungry for the things of God. Amen. Amen. Number four, the, f- the fourth principle in this passage is then give these leaders responsibility and authority. Joshua was very practical. He understood that the leader's span of control, probably we have got our sphere of influence. Some people are called to lead 10, some people are called to lead 50, some people are called to lead hundreds, some people are called to lead thousands. Right, God has given us different talents. God has given us different graces. And so he said these words in verses 21 and 22. He says, And place such over them to be rulers of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. There are different levels of responsibility. And this isn't rocket science. It's not bureaucracy. It's not trying to put in filters. Basically, this is a structure that would facilitate decision-making, or that would facilitate uh, the progress of the church. The power of delegation, empowering them with responsibility, but also with authority. The key is giving people authority. Now, the moment you empower someone, they will make mistakes. Because they are learning. Right? When I first became a youth pastor, I made so many mistakes. Praise God for, for busy pastors who didn't know that I, 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 I was making all the mistakes. <laughs> because the church was growing, but I was, I was making so many mistakes. I was, I was driven, ambitious. You know, I was making people miss their grandparents' birthday parties to be in cell. Because of my zeal. It was a godly zeal. Human zeal, if I could say, but that was me. I was scolding people. I was like, you know, and I was a young leader. They will make mistakes. It takes time for you to promote through the school of hard knocks. Amen. But you will make mistakes. So the moment you appoint younger leaders, they make mistakes. They can't lead the church as you would lead. They can't pastor the people as you could pastor. But the point is, we all have got different graces. Amen. So this is part of the price we pay to develop leaders. And the last point I want to make before we pray for people. And as the leader, only do those things which others cannot do. Only do those things which others cannot do. In verses 22, this is what the Bible says, Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring it to you, 
but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. I want to just do, make a, a I, I, I want to go on a, a rabbit trail a little bit. There are some of you here who are micromanagers. You are so uptight in the way you run your family, in the way you run your company, you will burn your, yourself out. I, I, when I was preparing this, I believe there's also a word for some of us who are working. You can't micromanage. You have to delegate. And they will make mistakes. That's part of it. Amen? And then you bring them aside, you correct them, and there, there has to be this culture of empowerment where people feel like they are free to make mistakes within proper boundaries. All right, we were trying to put up new worship leaders. We talk about worship every Tuesday. We house the worship team, and you know, we'll, we'll all go into this discussion. Can so and so lead worship? And, and I'll say, no, not yet. And so we're always in this. But it's part of it. So I said, guys, make sure that we properly train a person so that we are grooming him to succeed, not to fail. Right? So it's part of it. But, but for us, do those things which, which others can't do and only you can do. I like what Dawson Trotman says, the founder of The Navigators, and he gave this invaluable advice to all leaders. He says, never do anything of importance that others can do or will do when, st- when there is so much of importance to that to do that others cannot do and will not do. Never do anything of importance that others can do or will do when there is so much of importance to do that others cannot do or will not do. I mean, there are things that only you can do. Yes, okay, you'll get it tomorrow. So basically, do those things of importance that only you can do. So as I close this morning, before we pray for people, if we do these things, this is what the Bible says, there are two benefits of delegation, two. In the last verse, if you do this, Jethro said, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. Don't you like that? And all these people will go home satisfied. You know, the heart of every leader is that people are satisfied, which is why we micromanage in the first place, right? We thought that if we don't manage this, that the people wouldn't be satisfied, but you will come to a point of diminishing a return that you do as much as you try to do meet people for lunch, for dinner, for lunch, for dinner. The majority is not satisfied because why do you miss me out? Right? And so what you thought was a strength now becomes a weakness. So he says, do this so that you can withstand the strain and that the people will be satisfied. Do you know what's my prayer, most of all? For any church, really, is that the people are contented, that they are, sat- that they are pleased, that they are satisfied by their experience in worship, they are fed from the Word, they are cared for in the cell, they find friends. And whenever I hear feedback from people where they will say, oh, I can't find fellowship, you know, my heart sank. Because, but I know I, I won't try very hard to, to keep them. Do you, do you know why? Because I, 
if even I'll step into the role and try to pastor again, you know, and I can only say, God, just raise up more people who can provide that for the church.